Hello, I am Bob Bostock. You are listening to Discover DEP, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection's official podcast. Each week, we will provide you with timely information about how DEP protects and preserves New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. Please feel free to add this podcast to your iTunes or RSS feed. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Discover DEP can be found on iTunes and Google Play, so I urge you to subscribe to hear all of our future editions. We are very pleased to be joined today by DEP's Deputy Commissioner David Glass and the Deputy Commissioner of the New Jersey Department of Health, Dr. Arturo Brito, who are here today to talk about the Zika virus. With summer just around the corner, New Jerseyans are becoming more conscious of Zika and the mosquito that carries this disease. Zika is a viral infection that is most commonly spread by the bite of an infected mosquito. And while the Aedes aegypti, the mosquito that most commonly carries the disease, is only infrequently found here in New Jersey, DEP and DOH are coordinating through their hashtag ZapZika campaign to better inform the public on how they can learn more about the Zika virus and protect themselves against this virus as well as other mosquito-borne illnesses. Deputy Commissioners, thanks so much for joining us today. Arturo, can you tell us about the Zika virus and how it is transmitted? Bob, the Zika virus is exactly that. It is a virus that is transmitted primarily, but not exclusively, through the bite of an infected mosquito. What that means is an individual who has the Zika virus gets bitten by a mosquito, specific species of mosquito, That mosquito then goes to someone else and bites them, and they could potentially get infected. Now, Dave, the virus is spread primarily by a certain type of mosquito. Uh, The DEP coordinates mosquito control throughout the state. Our county mosquito control agencies are in the front lines of that. Tell us a little bit about the mosquito that is of particular concern with the Zika virus and some of the steps that DEP is taking to uh, monitor for the presence of this mosquito and uh, overall mosquito control efforts that are going on throughout the state. Great. Thanks, Bob, and thanks for having us in the studio today. Uh, as been in the forefront of the news, the, the major uh, issue is the Aedes family, and specifically the Aedes aegypti, or the yellow fever mosquito. Now, the interesting part is New Jersey actually has 63 species of mosquitoes that we monitor here in New Jersey. So while it's uh, a rare occurrence to have the Aedes aegypti yellow fever mosquito here in New Jersey, uh, we do have other types um, that are invasive, such as the Aedes albopictus or Asian tiger mosquito. And it's not it's not unheard of to have uh, the yellow fever mosquito appear in New Jersey. I'll give you a good example. Uh, in 1991, there was actually an occurrence uh, where a construction truck traveling from Alabama to New Jersey um, they had pipes on the back of the truck, and they actually carried this type of mosquito, the yellow fever mosquito, all the way to New Jersey. These type of mosquitoes tend not to survive the winter in New Jersey, uh, where they prefer warmer climates. Uh, but we're always ever vigilant, uh, whether it be 1991 or, or rare sighting um, at any time uh, through New Jersey, through our uh, county agencies, as well as the state. Uh, we take this seriously. And, and this is uh, something uh, that New Jersey has been battling mosquitoes uh, for over 100 years, but in fact, uh, in 1899 was sort of the start of it, if you will, uh, when Rutgers University formed uh, the Department of Entomology, 
Uh, and John B. Smith uh, was actually our state's first entomologist, in case anyone's ever on Jeopardy and fields that question. Uh, and the interesting part about that was he's, uh, he was a practicing attorney um, who one day, one day had this epiphany that he was tired of being an attorney and had more interest in insects, specifically battling mosquitoes. Um, and he sort of started the program. He was the founder of it back in 1899 um, and, w and was successful in bringing this issue of battling mosquitoes in New Jersey to the forefront. And uh, in 1902, uh, received a $10,000 appropriation from the state legislature to do the first research on mosquitoes in New Jersey. And it's grown from there. Since uh, the 1950s, each county uh, has a mosquito control program or commission. And here at DEP, uh, within our Division of Fish and Wildlife, we also have a mosquito control uh, coordination uh, program. Their job is to work uh, specifically with the counties to battle mosquitoes. You know, we talk about the yellow fever mosquito, uh, Asian tiger mosquito, or any other uh, type of mosquito that may be carrying West Nile virus or, or any other type of disease. Uh, this is something we've been dealing with a long time. Uh, mosquitoes, what we do is we supply resources and, uh, and technical expertise to the counties. Uh, each county has a, has a good program. We work in close coordination. The type of uh, resources we supply, for example, are mosquito traps. So traps that they deploy um, in areas uh, where we think this mosquito may, may be uh, so that the county can trap this mosquito, see what type they're finding of the 63 species that I mentioned previously. Uh, in addition, uh, something we've done more proactively this year is we just purchased 21,000 mosquito dunks. Uh, mosquito dunk uh, is an easy-to-use biological larvicide. It's not harmful to humans uh, or other wildlife, but a mosquito dunk can be deployed in standing water uh, to help uh, eliminate mosquito breeding grounds. So that's something we've done this year and have provided those supplies to the counties. So this is an effort that the state and the counties really have decades and decades of experience doing, and it sounds to me what we're doing is kind of expanding the monitoring that's going on to see if this Aedes aegypti, which is not normally commonly found here in New Jersey, does happen to show up. So it sounds like it's a very robust effort underway. Um, Arturo, the disease is generally spread, as I understand, from infected uh, Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, but there are other ways that it can also be spread. What are some of those other ways that folks could contract the Zika virus. Yeah, Bob, I'm glad you asked because this is really important for people to understand. And I want to go back for a second and, and help people understand that in the continental U United States, up to this point, we have only seen travel-related cases of the Zika virus, and that includes here in New Jersey. That means someone travels to an impacted country, which for the most part right now is in the Americas, in Central, South America, and the Caribbean, but it can exist in other parts of the world, comes back here and they develop symptoms and are diagnosed with Zika. However, that also includes sexually transmitted cases of the virus. And again, because we're particularly concerned about the impact of the virus on unborn children, one of our main messages we're sending right now, if you have, not only if you're a pregnant woman and thinking about being pregnant, you should really think twice about traveling to those countries. But if you're a male partner of a pregnant woman or a woman thinking about being pregnant, you should also think twice about traveling to those countries while the woman's pregnant. Um, if you do have to travel and you return, there are clear guidelines on what sh you should do as the male partner of that pregnant woman or the woman thinking about being pregnant. And it starts with having avoiding sexual relations whether it's oral, vaginal, or anal, uh, with a pregnant woman for a certain period of time, 
Or, if you are going to have sexual relations, you should use condoms, whether you're having oral, vaginal, or anal sex. And it's really important to understand, because a lot of times we focus on what the woman, or the pregnant woman, or the woman thinking about being pregnant should do, but we should also really start thinking about the responsibilities and the role that the male partners can play in preventing transfer of the disease uh, from themselves to a woman that's pregnant or thinking about being pregnant, because it's really important to understand that the Zika virus and the birth defects that are associated or have been associated with this virus up to this point have been found to occur during any trimester, during any time during that pregnancy. So that's really, really important for people to understand that. And I want to say a little bit more about those birth defects, too. The most common one that I, I know you and others have heard a lot about this on the news, particularly the news coming from Brazil, is microcephaly. And what that means, it's, a, it's the head size of the infant is much too small um, compared to other uh, newborns and much too small in indicati- indicating that the brain has also not developed and will unlikely develop to its full potential uh, for the life of that child. Mm-hmm. And it starts with that. There's also been visual problems uh, that have been associated and those are still being investigated by the Centers for Disease Control and others around the world to understand better that relationship and what that means. And this is why at the Department of Health, as well as the Department of Environmental Protection, prevention is the goal, and that's what we really focus on. If we can avoid our travel-related cases for now, and going forward, should this virus appear here in New Jersey, and again, the likelihood of that, as per the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, is not real high for New Jersey. Other parts of the country, perhaps, we don't know yet, but if we can avoid those infections when people go to these impacted countries, try to avoid travel, uh, if, if, if at all possible, if you absolutely have to travel, know how to protect yourself, talk to your doctor. Uh, there's specific precautions you should take to avoid, avoid mosquito bites. That brings up the very important point of uh, prevention, not only preventing uh, oneself from being bit by a mosquito, any mosquito really, but also preventing uh, mosquitoes from breeding. Dave, there's some good advice that uh, individuals can uh, follow, both to, pr- to reduce the potential of breeding grounds for mosquitoes, as well as to protect themselves from bites. Could you share some of that with us? Yeah, it's a great question, Bob. And uh, these type of mosquitoes, the yellow fever mosquito, prefer more non-wetland environments. So we tend to call them more urban mosquitoes in the sense of the type that will breed in your backyard, wherever you have standing water. So what, whether it be a bird bath or your child's inflatable pool, uh, flower pots, that's that's what the type of breeding ground that they look for. So a simple way to remember it is that standing water plus about five to seven days equals mosquitoes. So remember that. If you're in your backyard uh, and you see a coffee cup that was on the ground full of water, that's mosquito breeding ground. Your trash can, uh, drill holes in the bottom of your trash can so water uh, can come out of the bottom of it because that equals mosquito breeding grounds. And just one bottle cap full of water a uh, female mosquito can lay up to 200 eggs in just one bottle cap. So think about that in all the areas that you see. Uh, the interesting thing as well about this mosquito is it typically tends to have a range of about 150 to 500 yards. Um, so this really is something that you as a homeowner, you know, apartment owner, you know, just in your area where you live, that you can make a difference in identifying standing water. And as I mentioned before, if there are cases where you can't uh, remove standing water from your property, the counties will make them available through us, or you can purchase them online, the mosquito dunks. Again, that's something you can deploy in standing water, and it will prevent uh, mosquitoes, for, or mosquitoes will lay eggs, but they won't uh, mature uh, due to these dunks. And those dunks are really relatively inexpensive, about a dollar a piece, and they last for about 30 days, I understand. So it's a good way 
Uh, even if you have an orna ornamental fish pond or something like that, to be able to use those dunks, keep the, uh, the larvae from be being able to develop into mosquitoes. Yeah, exactly. And if you have uh, even a bird bath that people like to have, change the water out every week. Again, standing water plus about five to seven days equals mosquitoes. And what about uh, people when they dress and go outside? We don't want to discourage people from going outside, but there are precautions they could take. Arturo, what are some of those precautions? Uh, sure. If you're going to go outside, and, and this applies to even areas that don't have the Zika virus right now, outbreaks of the Zika virus, even here in New Jersey where we have other, or certainly, and they may or may not transmit other types of infections. So it's always a good idea if you go outside to wear long sleeves and pants whenever you can, and also to use an EPA or Environmental Protection Agency registered or approved repellent, a mosquito repellent. And when you are indoors, particularly if you're traveling to a Zika-impacted country or territory right now, when you're indoors as much as possible, using air conditioning, making sure there's screens on the windows and doors that are working appropriately and, and there's no holes in there because that also helps. So I, I think, as, as Dave said, though, particularly with this species of mosquito, the Aedes mosquitoes, they tend to like small amounts of standing water, tires and bird baths, as he mentioned. So it's really important to take all that in consideration wherever you're at really be thinking about cleaning around the house and make sure there's limited standing water around. So it's really as simple as you know, walking around in your yard, and if you see a puddle that's been there for a yeah. while, or you know sometimes even a flower pot will have standing water, just dump it out. Yep. And uh, after it rains, do that again. Check around and see if there's any standing water. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely, and it's not a bad practice to get into anyhow on a regular basis. Yeah, because if they have nowhere to breed, we're not going to get more of them, which is uh, important to remember. Now, although seems the likelihood is uh, very low that we'll get any of these uh, Aedes aegypti or other mosquitoes that carry the disease here in New Jersey. I'm sure that both the Department of Health and the Department of Environmental Protection are planning for uh, what we would do in the event that uh, a Zika-carrying mosquito was found here in New Jersey. Tell us, Dave, a little bit about some of the plans that DEP has to address what would happen if, if we did find an outbreak. So if an outbreak were discovered through our program within the Division of Fish and Wildlife and working with the county agencies, we would deploy a rapid response team, and they would do several things depending on what was found. The first area, or the first thing is they would spray the area in question uh, to kill off any adults that may be there. The second part is just as we talked about, is removing standing water because that's the breeding ground. And the county or state would also deploy additional monitoring traps. As I mentioned, the, the good news in a sense is, these, again, these mosquitoes tend to travel, have a range of about 150 up to 500 yards, so the area would be pretty focused where you would deploy a rapid response team. And the most important part as well is public education, whether it's through DOH's uh, hashtag Zika campaign, through the counties or through the state that messaging is coming out, just being aware of the situation um, and defending yourself uh, against mosquitoes and, and taking a proactive approach. Arturo, what role would DOH play in the event an outbreak uh, or, or um, mosquito that were bearing the uh, virus occurred? What, what all would you uh, put into action? Yeah, sure. So I, before I even talk about our role, I think one thing I'd like for everyone to understand is that we're very fortunate that the Department of Health and Department of Environmental Protection in the state of New Jersey have a, a longstanding close working relationship. So it makes it a lot easier because it's hard to do. We have different roles, but they certainly overlap. So as the Department of Environmental Protection is doing what they're doing with mosquito control and identification and so on and so forth, as Dave described, we are simultaneously investigating a report of a potential local transmission, not yet defining it as an outbreak, 
working closely with our federal partners at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, to first make sure that we are truly talking about a local transmission or an outbreak if it gets to that point. It's important for people to understand that even in the southern states of, of this country, Florida, Texas, and others, the CDC does not believe at this point in time that we are going to have widespread transmission of the Zika virus um, if we do have local transmission because it's different than it is in Central South America. People tend to have air conditioning here, screens on the doors and windows. If we do have local transmission here, it'll be more confined and limited to a uh, localized outbreak. So I, th- I want people to understand that. And so if it does get to New Jersey, we don't expect it to be much widespread transmission at this point. However, through our monitoring and surveillance unit within the Department of Health, we would keep a close eye on that and try to maintain it localized as much as possible. And then again, working closely with the DEP. I think it's really encouraging to uh, learn the efforts that the Department of Health and DEP are taking uh, in advance of any uh, possible uh, transmission of the disease through mosquitoes. Uh, so that uh, and, and all the early monitoring that's going on, it kind of proves that old adage that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And uh, certainly knowing that uh, the state as well as the county mosquito control commissions uh, local governments are even working to uh, identify places where there might be standing water that they can issue all the way up to the federal CDC. It sounds like every level of government is uh, deployed and watching and keeping an eye on things. So uh, to keep the, the people of this state uh, safe and to uh, make sure if there are any issues that we're able to address them very, very promptly. You mentioned the hashtag ZapZika site. Uh, what sort of information can people find on that site? Well, at our hashtag ZapSeca site, again, we started this early in March because we thought the most important thing was to let people know the most updated information that comes from federal partners and from our own departments and agencies here in the state to understand the latest information about how Zika is transmitted, what the symptoms might be, where outbreaks are currently occurring of the Zika virus, and any other information that may be pertinent to residents of the state of New Jersey or elsewhere to understand how they can protect themselves against uh, getting the Zika virus should they travel to an impacted uh, country or territory. And, of course, we will keep we keep that updated on a regular basis to make sure as things change. And this is the most important message I think i like people to understand is you need to keep yourself up to date on the latest information because it changes all the time. As an example, you know, the number of countries that have current outbreaks and territories increases on a weekly basis almost now. There's almost 49 countries, I think, last count I saw yesterday. Vast majority, 39 of those, are in the Americas. And that is a change from a few weeks ago when we had 45 or so. So it's really important for people to keep informed on a regular basis, particularly right now if they're thinking about traveling, to understand which countries and territories are being impacted, what they can do to protect themselves, should they travel, or should we have issues with transmission of the Zika virus uh, in our own country within the continental United States at any point in the future? And again, we are particularly focused on informing pregnant women, uh, those thinking about being pregnant, and their male partners right now, because that, from the Department of Health point of view, is the most important message we can relate to people. We want people to understand the risk that may be involved if they choose to travel to an impacted area. Yeah, information is very important. DEP Zika fact sheet can be found on nj.gov slash DEP. There's a link right there on the homepage. Dave, I understand there's research going on in terms of whether the Asian tiger mosquito might also be a vector 
for this virus. Could you give us a little bit of information about what's going on with the Asian tiger mosquito? Sure, Bob. As I mentioned, the Asian tiger mosquito is an invasive uh, mosquito here in New Jersey. Um, well, we are exploring and, and following the, the latest and greatest research. Um, while the primary uh, reports are of the Aedes aegypti, the yellow fever mosquito, um, as a vector for Zika in lab studies, uh, and it has been reported in Gabon as well as uh, recently in Mexico, which we're following up on, the Asian tiger mosquito has been shown as a possible vector carrier for Zika. So that's something we take seriously as well. Arturo, one of the things I understand you're asked about frequently is whether Zika virus uh, may have some effect on uh, transmitting or people who may already have Guillain-Barre syndrome. Can you discuss that a little bit for us? Sure, Bob. Um, I'm glad you asked. Again, I want to go back and, and repeat that most people who have the Zika virus, or get the Zika virus, have no symptoms. So one in, only one in five develop symptoms. And of those that develop symptoms, the symptoms tend to be mild. However, on rare occasion, there is a condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome that has many causes, and sometimes the causes are unknown. It's, you know, it's not a new syndrome, and the Zika virus has been, again, on rare occasion, been associated with the development of Guillain-Barre syndrome. And Guillain-Barre syndrome is a autoimmune, meaning your own body's reacting to something, in this case it would be the Zika virus, and it causes an ascending paralysis. What that means is that a paralysis that starts at the feet and moves upward, both sides equally at the same time. What you would feel if you had those symptoms is a tingling sensation initially, a little muscle weakness, and then the paralysis. In most cases, Gain-Barre syndrome reverses itself and no major problems, but on rare occasion, it can cause major problems. So the recommendation is that anyone that has traveled to a Zika-impacted country or territory and returns here and starts developing those symptoms, they really should talk to the doctor as soon as possible and make sure that they don't have Guillain-Barre syndrome. And certainly with those kind of symptoms, you'd want to talk to your doctor anyhow because if it's not Guillain-Barre syndrome, maybe something else. I just want to emphasize again, the vast majority of people don't even get symptoms. And even if those get symptoms, the symptoms tend to be mild. And on rare occasion, you get a condition like Guillain-Barre syndrome. And our campaign at Department of Health has remained focused on pregnant women and their male partners because our biggest concern is the potential effect that this virus can have on unborn children if a woman gets infected with the Zika virus during pregnancy. Any uh, last thoughts that either of you or both of you would like to share with our listeners before we conclude? Sure. Um, I'd like to uh, reiterate Arturo's point between DOH and DEP. We've worked very closely uh, together over the years. Fortunately or unfortunately, New Jersey's been battle-tested several times for many different viruses over the years, so uh, we work in close coordination, and, and that starts at the state level, works down to the counties and the locals as well. Um, and something else I want to add, Bob, people may find of interest is uh, beyond the mosquito dunks, uh, the insecticides and larvicides that I've mentioned, uh, we also deploy nature-based solutions uh, to combat against mosquitoes. Uh, in areas where there's ponds, lakes, uh, obviously large areas of standing water, we actually at our uh, Hackettstown Fish Hatchery, which recently celebrated its 100th anniversary, we raise uh, five species of what is known as mosquito fish. We make those available to the counties to deploy in, in lakes or ponds. Uh, and this year alone, uh, we've actually uh, deployed over 150,000 of these mosquito fish. In the past 25 years, we've stocked 4.4 million of these mosquito fish throughout the state. So it's one of those little known facts that people may not realize. And it includes fish such as sunfish that 
growing up, I'd always uh, shake my fist at them when they, they ate my bait, but knowing that we're actually raising them today uh, to combat mosquitoes is a great fact. Um, and then, so they eat, the, they eat the larvae before they have a chance to become mosquitoes? Absolutely, yeah, they feed on the larvae, and, and uh, it's a nature-based solution in, uh, in lieu of using uh, pesticides in certain situations. Well, that's great. So this is a uh, full-front war, deploying every resource available. Yeah, yeah and that's I, great. Absolutely, and, and to reiterate the point uh, talking about uh, dressing appropriately, for those of you who may remember the hit movie Dodgeball from about a decade ago, there were the five Ds of Dodgeball. Well, in the mosquito world, we actually have the three Ds, uh, drain the water, dress to cover skin, and defend by use of repellent. So drain, dress, defend. Uh, so keep that in mind, and, and remember, the number one thing you can do is remove standing water from your property. That's great. Arturo, any closing thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, so it's interesting, because one of the questions that we that I often get and our department often gets is, well, can you get this virus through the air? And what people need to understand is that you cannot get this virus through coughing, sneezing, or talking. It is not airborne. So we do have travel-related cases in the state as well as the rest of the country. Those people are not going to be contagious to others through the air again. The primary way that this virus is transmitted is through the bite of an infected mosquito. And then second to that would be sexual transmission. So it's really important people understand that you cannot get this virus through the air. We've mentioned several times. Go to hashtag ZapZika for more information. Uh, Dave, would you like to share with us DEP's website for more information about the Zika virus and mosquito control? Absolutely. Uh, please follow us on Facebook. It's NJ Division of Fish and Wildlife. Or visit us online at nj.gov backslash DEP backslash mosquito. Well, that's great. Well, a lot of information presented today from both of you. I want to thank both DEP's Deputy Commissioner David Glass and DOH's Deputy Commissioner Dr. Arturo Brito for being with us today. Uh, it's good to know that the uh, state is deploying so many resources in advance of any possible infection uh, or, or the introduction of the mosquito that carries the Zika virus to New Jersey so that in the unlikely event uh, we do find ourselves in a situation where we need to act, we are ready to act, and that we are already acting in terms of monitoring and uh, making sure that if the mosquito does arrive here, we know it and can take steps immediately to eradicate it, and that if we do find cases where the virus is being transmitted, DOH has all of the protocols in place and all of the action items in place to be able to deal with this in a very prompt, thorough, and efficient manner. So thank you both for being with us today. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.